Hello, and welcome to the Develop Podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Ben Gilbert, and I'm hosting a series of episodes which explore how the Salvation Army is working within different communities around the world. In this episode, I'm speaking with Damaris Frick, who works at the International Emergency Services Team in IHQ. Damaris has over 15 years of experience with the Salvation Army, and in that time has worked in nearly every territory supporting emergency response projects. I'll let Damaris introduce herself shortly, but just way of introduction to this episode, I wanted to get a better understanding of how we as an organization are responding to COVID-19 across the world, what this has involved, the scale of the global response, and what changes this pandemic might have on the way that we work. So hi, I'm Damaris. I work for International Emergency Services at the International Headquarters of the Salvation Army in London. Um, I'm the Deputy Coordinator, which means that together with the Coordinator, we manage and oversee the global response and preparedness for disasters. So all disaster-related activities in the whole Salvation Army world is basically our remit. Um, But I guess this is the first time you're facing a pandemic, like the rest of us. This is a new situation for all of us. Um, And the strange thing is, there have always been predictions or calculation that there will be, it's inevitable that at some point there will be global pandemics with the interconnectedness, the global travel and all of that. And that research showed that no country in the world was actually prepared for that. But then because it didn't happen yet, I think no one took it serious enough. And that includes, well, that's it for, on country level, but also organizational level. I think it's safe to say that we were all taken a bit by surprise um, about this situation. That must have been a huge challenge for you because, you know, in your ordinary day-to-day role, you, you're responding to earthquakes, landslides, your tsunamis, all that kind of typical, very localized disasters. How soon did you realize that this is actually going to affect almost every territory that you're dealing with? I think once it started to started here in Europe, and okay, so even the first few cases, I think everybody thought, okay, that can be contained. A few cases in Italy and uh, whatever, a few in Germany, I think at that point, um, from people traveling. I couldn't really pin down the ex- exact date, but when you realize, okay, it's spread from there to Austria and to other countries, and to, yeah, at some point you realize it's, we are beyond the level of where we can still contain it on a global level. There was a the point when everybody realized, no, this is serious, it's a global situation. And it will have a major impact on every single country, but also on the way we work and we will be working for the foreseeable future. So how many, how many countries right now is the Salvation Army actually responding to, to COVID in? The Salvation Army, I think we have a presence in over 130 countries. In, and in almost every single one of them, the Salvation Army is responding one way or the other. There are a few wow. countries where there is no COVID yet, um, lucky them, so where we don't have any COVID um, activities, but in most of the others, there is some response or preparedness one way or the other. A lot of that is local um, response, like local core 
local um, whatever institution the Salvation Army might have. And not all of those would be supported by international headquarters or the global Salvation Army. But I think between, yeah, between the different kind of projects we ha have at the moment, um, but I think we have close to 200 projects in, I think it's more than 60 countries now, wow. all around the world. And that's in every zone. So those 60 countries are the ones which are receiving international funds. But as you say, there's probably double that number who are using their own resources in country to respond in some way. Yeah, definitely. And in some countries, it might be a combination. So they might do some activities using their local resources or other um, resources through partners or local businesses or so. And then to top it up or to fund specific kind of activities, they might have international support. So it's, it's a bit of a combination of those. So normally, as you say, we would have a disaster in one place or sometimes maybe a few places, whatever, a hurricane season in the Carib Caribbean. So that might be a few countries, but still there is the rest of the world that could potentially provide financial resources, personnel resources, um, technical support, all those kind of things. But now we are facing a situation where every single country is affected themselves themselves and might need support as well. So we have countries that are both supporting others financially, but also receive support. So it's a quite, a, quite an unusual situation. In those countries where COVID has taken much stronger hold and they are, you know, people are being affected and there are strict government lockdowns, what types of activities are going on at the moment in and how is the Salvation Army responding? We typically have the kind of activities that are more the prevention, hygiene promotion, but also provision of hygiene material. Um, and that could be whatever soap for families, but also in some cases it would be um, public hand washing stations. Yeah, so everything that roughly falls under the prevention and hygiene promotion. We are currently looking at one proposal where the Salvation Army want to use some of their media sources, like television sources, to and have some creative ways of promoting hygiene. Then the next big category would probably be something like food support. And that is typically two different kinds. So it's either food support for particularly vulnerable people, that could be homeless people, um, migrants that are stuck somewhere without being able to go further, sex workers who are without any income. But then the other category of food support would be food parcels or baskets or packets or whatever it might be called in a country to families that are either affected by government measures such as lockdown or quarantine. So those are two typical areas. Then we have um, the kind of projects that equip our clinics. The Salvation Army obviously has clinics and hospitals all around the world. We need to make sure that they are all up to, to standard in terms of prevention, but also response. And then that's now more recently, obviously the Salvation Army also has a number of schools, several thousands if I'm not mistaken. And whilst in most countries around the world, schools were somehow closed for a different length of time, in many countries, schools are reopening, 
but obviously there are certain requirements to make sure that children can go back to school in a safe manner. How do we support them to make sure that both the children, but also the teachers and their families and communities are safe? But in the way that the Salvation Army has been responding in these last few months, is there anything which has really stood out to you or surprised you in the way that we have been able to respond or maybe the way that we haven't been able to respond in the current crisis? I mean, there's obviously um, the situation brings a lot of restrictions. Churches had to close, schools had to close. In many countries, there were um, measures in place with regard to how much you can even be outside your own home, how many people you could meet and all of that. And that obviously has an impact on ongoing activities that includes church activities, but also longer term development activities, but also then emergency activities. So in some cases, the Salvation Army personnel had to get special permission from the government to even be allowed to drive around to do certain activities or be allowed to do distributions and stuff like that. But generally, I mean, I was very positively surprised how fast the Salvation Army all around the world stepped up and responded to this situation. How many local initiatives started, and that could be as small as a core just looking after elderly people in their community. Also very impressed by the level of volunteerism, and I think that's not just for the Salvation Army. I think we see that globally, how people really step up and offer their services. Obviously, every situation is very different. And it was good to see how every Salvation Army found a very localized way of responding. And even though they might do food parcels in a lot of countries, that might still look very different in Canada to Zimbabwe to Bangladesh or other countries, depending on the needs, depending on what governments might provide, what other organizations might provide, also on their capacities and how um, how they could respond to that. And I think another really positive, um, I don't know if it's a surprise, but uh, another positive development was the amount of partnerships. And we probably only see a glimpse of that, but how the Salvation Army has really stepped up and worked closely with, well, to start with governments and ministries of health, but then also how they form partnerships with other churches um, and some of them that might be theologically very different to the Salvation Army or in the way how they express church, how they form partnerships with other faith groups, with corporate donors who stepped up and provided support, financial but also in-kind support, small businesses and so on. And I think it's fair to say that the Salvation Army has gained a good reputation in many countries to be reliable, to be trustworthy. And that is now paying off that people trust them to provide the adequate services. But one of the things, Damaris, I wanted to ask you about was the scale of the pandemic and the the effect that the huge negative downturn on, on the economy and just the, the shock of that to so, so many people um, across the world. Do you have any sort of insight into the types of changes in the coming months, maybe in the coming years, that as an organization, the Salvation Army needs to begin to start looking at because of the pandemic and the longer term effects of the pandemic? I think in many ways, this global pandemic has been an eye-opener for all of us. 
I think we all realize that what happens in one place has an impact on other places, and in this case, around the whole world. For better or worse, we are this interconnected world now, and um, we can't pretend we can, whatever we do here in our country might not affect other countries. So that might be good or bad, I don't know, that's just a reality. It might help us in other areas, let's say climate change, to realize that we have to work together on that because whilst we in Europe might not be the ones that feel the impact the worst at the moment, whatever we do to contribute to that um, has a huge impact in other countries and how other countries are affected by that. There will be really practical changes as well in the way we work, even starting from traveling. As I said earlier, in many previous disasters that happened in one place, we could provide additional personnel support as well. People from the same zone or somewhere else in the world could have stepped up and supported that base. This, for obvious reasons, isn't possible at the moment. And it probably has shown how capable people we actually have in many places. But it might give all of us and all of us in supporting roles, it might give all of us a bit food for thought and rethinking how will our technical support look in the future. Also when it comes to global meetings and trainings and conferences and the like. So there will be really practical changes for us as the Salvation Army, I believe, and probably the whole world. What would you say are, the, are some of the other key lessons that we can kind of take forward with us in the way that we operate in our approach to to working across in an international organization? I'm obviously talking from a humanitarian perspective, and I do acknowledge that um, there's a lot of impact as well on ongoing development activities. Key lessons, I mean, let, let's be honest, this is a new situation, so we had to make some things up as they came. I have to say, IHQ, was very quick in setting up systems with various COVID groups, response groups on the big level, but also a COVID task force. We can't wait till we have, have it all figured out because no one has. So we have to start with the best knowledge we have based on the best research we have, looking at experts, looking at what other well, what advice might be there, let's say from WHO or other sources, and then react quickly, but showing the flexibility to also adjust things. And that was also one of the key lessons. When we started, I think we had, we focused on just a number of potential project activities, but then some new things came up, let's say new guidelines from WHO with regard to face masks and where you should wear or not wear them and which kinds of face masks should be worn. We needed the ability to flexibly change the advice then very quickly based on new research. Financial reserves were a huge benefit to um, get projects approved very quickly. And then a lot of supporting offices picked up projects, but we didn't have to wait till a supporting office could potentially get the approval for that. Um, so having those reserves in place um, really enabled a speedy response and enabled our frontline workers all around the world to start their 
their projects, start their support to their communities very quickly and without delay. Yeah, and there, there must be still projects coming through now um, that you're seeing from territories. Has there been a kind of tail off of that or is that picking up again in certain areas? The locations change slightly or additional locations are added. So, for example, South America has now in recent weeks seen huge numbers of cases. If I looked at South America, let's say in um, March, April, they hardly had any cases. In other parts of the world, um, numbers are rapidly increasing. So, yeah, no, it hasn't actually gone down yet. It is still really, really busy. We see several projects most days that come from around the world. One of the strengths of the Salvation Army is that we are a global organization. And if we do it right, we, we work together and we support each other. And that's between supporting offices. And I just want to say also on behalf of IES, but also the mission support, we are super grateful for all the individual territories that um, pick up projects and fund them. And we couldn't have done that without that level of willingness to support because, as I said earlier, this is a new situation for all of us. None of us is an expert in COVID-19. So we are all uh, learning from each other. And we are learning from our frontline workers on the ground who bring the information back on what does actually work and what information is helpful for them and what information do communities need or want or understand so if we do it well as a global organization we have a huge advantage it's a global organization it has its processes and bureaucracy but then i guess you know picking up on what you say the key is in those key moments and key periods to find that the flexibility within that to be able to respond well um, and that's, I think, one of the key key lessons that I'm hearing from from what you're you're saying. In the end, it's the people on the ground, the ones that pack the boxes, the ones that transport those boxes, the the workers and cleaners and nurses in our Salvation Army hospitals, and the teachers that stay in touch with the children even during lockdown, and our Salvation Army pastors that look after people spiritual and um, mental health needs and it's those people who do the real work we are just there to support them and enable them to do the work as uh, as well as they can but yeah those are the people that are the real heroes in this disaster absolutely yeah the real heroes people on the front line exactly that's that's a perfect way to to end this podcast but damaris just to say a big thank you for taking the time and giving us that that global perspective on what's going on in the salvation army during covid19 you're welcome you can find out more information about our work around the world on our website www.salvationarmy.org.uk forward slash id we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow and subscribe for news of upcoming episodes.